When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. G-I-T-A. God is the answer. Just pray. G-I-T-A. God is the answer. Just pray. God is the only one that can fix it. God can do it. God can fix it. Man needs some help. He needs God's help. We need some help. God is the only one that can fix it. God can do it. God can fix it. G-I-T-A. God is the answer. Just pray. What are you willing to do? Tell me what was said that was not true. The young and old no longer being sold. The new slave master will never get old. The state take control. Prison system overflowing with the young and the old. Good afternoon. This is Kenneth Everett with the KRE Poetry and Rio. Poems that can touch, change and maybe save lives. We have been sharing testimonies about Reverend Ari Price because this month is a tribute. The whole month of February, I mean the whole month of July has been a tribute to Reverend Price. And I got some more speakers on that's going to come on, that's going to share. And I want to thank all the ones that was on last week. And you know, before I even start to talk about Reverend Price, I always have to share this poem, and I'm going to be sharing this poem uh, the rest of this month because his life has been one that has made an impact on so people, so many people's lives. So I'm going to read this poem right off the bat. It's called Life. Life is like a light switch. When you are born, the light switch is turned on. When you die, the light switch is turned off. No one should control their light switch except the one who turns it on. Some lights shine so very bright that it's hard to see whether it's day or night. So don't be fooled by the bright light. Some lights shine, but that's all right. Just give them a little time. And the one that turns the light switch on will make everything just right. Martin Luther King. Right. Even though the light is off, the light is still left on. So don't be left behind. And don't forget that Jesus' light switch was turned back on so that you and I could find our way home. So leave something behind. But when your light switch is turned off, your light will shine on and on. Well, Reverend his light still shines on and on. And I got some people that's going to talk about his light. The first person is Thomas Jefferson. Uh, he's the mayor of Hamilton Park. He's going to have some things to say, and, and I want you to listen because Russ Price made an impact on his life. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you uh, 
Brother Jefferson, come on and say what you would like to say and what you would like to share about Reverend Price. Take your time. Well, good afternoon, Tolar and everyone else that's on the air. I want to say thank you, uh, Tolar, for what you're doing. This tribute to uh, Pastor Price is something that uh, will probably touch a number of people's hearts, and I will say that my reason for saying that is because of last week, I tuned in to your show. I tuned in to your program. I didn't know uh, what to expect. I was really just trying to get a feel of what was going on. And everyone that was on the show, it was almost like a ditto that was coming from me. Because Pastor Price, he touched a number of people's hearts. But I noticed one thing in particular. What everyone was saying was basically the same thing. We were all... I'm all I'm listening to everyone say the same things that I was feeling. The things like are the things such as he would suggest to you something. If he suggested it, he didn't just suggest that to me. He was suggesting it to everyone. What he said to one person, he didn't have a problem with saying it to everyone else. He meant well in everything that he did. Now having said that with that little introduction Tolar, that same, the poem that you read today, I heard it yesterday, that light switch that's burning, that light switch that'll never go out. We may turn the light off, but it'll still, some kind of way, that little flicker is still there. I remember Deborah saying something last week. That was one of your other guests that you had on the show. She was talking about some things, and it was some of the same things that he had shared with me in, in my growing up. Now, to make a long story short, and that's what I try and do because I could probably take up the last couple of hours if that's what this show is consisting of, a couple of hours. I could probably do that myself, but I've got to be respectful. I know that there's other guests on the show. So what I'm going to say is probably going to make sense to some people, and hopefully it may require a little clarification for other people. But anyway, let's start with it like this. In 58, 1958, that's when my parents moved to Hamilton Park, and that was the first chance I got to meet Pastor Price in 1958. I was a junior in high school. I was going to First Baptist Church, and so was Pastor Price as well. However, I knew him like this. We would play football in the streets in Hamilton Park, and in the evenings after work, Pastor Price, he would love to represent that street on Dandridge. Dandridge Drive over there, they had a pretty good team. We stand over on Rialto. We thought we had a pretty good team, and when we would go over there, we would play with the kids. And I've come find out. I found out a little later on that Pastor Price or Robert Price wasn't a kid. He was a grown family man, and I didn't realize that. Remember, I'm new in the neighborhood. However, that was my first contact with Robert Price, not as a pastor, and. Uh, Maybe no more than just a, a, a lead, the father of a family like my dad was the leader and father of my family. And then, three years late in 61, uh, I had graduated from high school and gone to college and stayed in college for a couple of more years. And then it was time for me to start raising my family. And I was fortunate enough to move back to Hamilton Park and find a home of my own. I purchased a home from a guy by the name of Willie Christian, who was a teacher over at Booker, Washington, where I attended school before I did attend Hamilton Park. 
Now, having said that, the first interaction that I had with Pastor Price was when we had jury duty. And it so happened that one particular time, at that particular time, when I was called to jury duty, Pastor Price was called to jury duty. And what we did when we had some downtime, well, the thing to do was to go back in the back and play dominoes and things like that. Pastor Price asked me, he said, do you know how to play dominoes? I said, yeah, I know how to play dominoes a little bit. He said, okay, let's go in here and play him some dominoes. And we won, and we won more than one game. And then that gave me something to talk about in the neighborhood and say, man, Robert Price knows how to play dominoes pretty good. He's a pretty good guy. This went on and on and on. Then as life started changing in 2004, I was elected president of the Hamilton Park Civic League. It was the first uh, office that I had on that type of level. And one of the first persons that came and talked with me about my position was Robert Price. And he said, look, this is what I want you to always remember. You're representing Hamilton Park, and I want you to always dress as though you're representing Hamilton Park. And I took that for what it was worth. And I, from that, that day on, I wore a suit and tie like Reverend Price did. I had known as the years had gone by, that he was a preacher. We, Again, we started at First Baptist Church of Hamilton Park, and then New Mount Zion asked him to become their pastor. And so when he moved over to New Mount Zion, well, then I moved to New Mount Zion along with him during that time. However, I really wasn't a born-again Christian at that time, I will say that. But as the years grew, it was my interaction with Pastor Price, seeing him and watching him and listening to the things that he said, he brought me closer and closer to God. And I didn't realize what that would mean in my life until later on. However, without the leadership of Reverend Price, I wouldn't be where I am today. Without the... Uh, the way he would talk with me, he would come to me, he would call me, he would ask me to take him places. He wanted to be on a one-on-one -on -one relationship with me so he could tell me things. He would, he would, he was a guidance without me really knowing it. And he was making an impact in my life that I really, that, that I did know the impact that he was making. So having, uh, having said all of that, the main thing that I really do remember and I will never, ever forget is, look, he always told me this. You always want to put God first in your life. You always want to put your family second, and you always want to put your community third, he said. And then if you keep those in your, if you keep that artistship in your life, I think you will probably be a little successful guy. Now, during some of this time when we would have our little talks, and we would have our little luncheons. We used to he look, he used to love to go up to Brahms ice cream and get some and get a snow cone and things like that. And he would like to uh, to just go around the block. Let's go up to the post office. Let's go up here and get some stamps. And the whole time that we're together, he's talking to me and he's guiding me and he's suggesting things to me without me even knowing what he was doing and why he was doing it. But I do know do know this, since 2004 until 2023 of this year, right now at this particular time, 
I am so thankful and so blessed that our paths crossed one way or the other. We were able to meet, and he was able to share some things with me. And the things that he's sharing with me, I'm pretty sure he's sharing some of those same things with some of the other guests that we have on this show today because I know I know David Tyson is on the show. I believe I think Gina Riley and a few other people all those names and all those people I do know, and they do know me as well. And I believe if we all had to flip a coin, the thing that we would probably say is uh, what if would be the biggest question that we would have when we were talking about Pastor Robert Price, the what ifs, what if we, he had, what if we had done this, if I hadn't met him, what if it means a lot, that big that question, what if, when they uh, just trying to uh, cover as much as I, as I can with the amount of time that we do have, at one time I was contacted by um, someone in Congress, I believe it might have been Pete Session, just to throw a name around. I think it was Pete Session, and the thing that had come up was, look, we're considering naming a post office after someone, a person, that would make a big difference in this Hamilton Park area. And at that particular time, I was, uh, I was the, uh, I guess, the president that was in charge then, and that's why they got in touch. They were getting in touch with me and reaching out to me and trying to get someone. And I'm saying someone in particular. Is there anybody in particular that you're thinking about? And they're saying, no, we, we just need a few names, we, and then we'll, we'll get back with you a little later on. And I'm saying, okay. And so the three names that I came up with, and not necessarily in this particular order, but it was Zan Holmes, uh, Jesse Lee Frost, and Robert Price. And they said, okay. And then they took those names, and then whatever they were going to discuss and do their due diligence, they got back with me a little later on, and they said, guess what? And I'm saying, what? And they're saying, we think we're going with Robert Price. And I said, wow, wow. I mean, I was so touched, and it made my heart so happy. My heart just jumped up and down and, and just made all kinds of flips and somersaults and things like that. But that was one of the impacts that I knew that I had a a little hand in doing, and that was saying that the post office was named after Robert Price. I knew he wasn't living in Hamilton Park during that time when this decision was made, but I knew what part he had played in Hamilton Park. It always, it was always a, the words that he talked about: make sure you dress nice, make sure you do this, be sure that you are. Uh, Keep God first in your life. Make sure your family, you take care of your family. Make sure you love, you work for your community. When you're the president of the Civic League, TJ, most of the time he would call me TJ, either Brother Jefferson, he said, TJ, you've got to always remember this. You represent a number of people. A number of people are going to be depending on you. So what you do, you put God first, and God will He will teach you the way. He will show you the way. He will tell you what to do. He'll tell you how to say certain things. He'll tell you how to react with certain people. So I just can't say 
I know I couldn't say enough about what he did for me in my life. I know I can't say how much he impacted the decisions I made. And I believe I made some pretty good decisions. And it wasn't because of just me. It was basically because of God first, Reverend Reverend Price second, and then this community is always third in my life. However, if I had it to do all over again, I wouldn't have been able to do it and be successful if I hadn't met Dr. Price, if I hadn't met him. The people don't realize he was doing some things that people hadn't thought of doing. He was doing some things that people didn't even have a concept of why they would do it unless they had had some contact with him. I had never heard of a church having a credit union, but he knew and he saw that the need, the credit union would be a great need for a number of people in that congregation. And it worked. I never, I never, I never knew something like that could happen before. I never knew that a church would be very, very successful without selling anything. Look, this is what Price used to tell us all the time and tell this congregation. We are the church. We're the church, and the church is here to help people. We're not here to depend on people to help this church. We won't have anything such as selling dinners and doing this and selling baked pies and cakes and things like this. Not saying that it's not a good idea, but he said, look, we don't need to do that. We're the ones that's supposed to be the leader of the community. The community is depending on us, not us depending on the community. And with that type of attitude and with that type of belief and with that type of with that just floating around in the air and the atmosphere would then look look what type of people he would have to congregate, what type of people that he would have to minister to. We had we had a God sent leader, a God sent teacher, and I will never, ever, ever forget Doctor Bryce. And that's that's just the beginning, but it's time for me to take a break. Sorry, Tolar. Well, no, 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 don't, no apologies, because you really got to add something else to this, because I'm not going to let you off like that. Uh, okay. Talk about, you got to tell about his, his his giving spirit. I mean, you'd see him, and, and the first thing he'd say, do you need anything? And the first thing he'd let, 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 right <laughs> okay. let me jump in right quick. Let me jump in right quick then. Look, whenever this guy saw me, whenever... Jay, how's uh, how's your city league meetings going? Oh, they're going pretty good. We're doing this and we're doing that. He, the first, the next thing he's going to say is, "Look, here," and he's going in his pocket and he's pulling out his wallet and he's handing me a hundred dollar bill or more. And he said, "Put this in your put this in your treasure. Put it put it where you guys can use it." I know that every organization will need a little a little money every now and then. And look, whenever I would see this guy, whenever I would see Dr. Price, that was the first, one of the first things that he's going to do is ask me how I'm doing. And at the same time, he's going into his pocket trying to come out with some money, and he would do it every single time. Every time. Something like that. He did it to everyone. uh, Everyone. Last time Right, and so when I was last time um, I shared on my show uh, that 
he gave me, he, like you said, he'd always reach in his pocket and he'd come out with some money. Yeah. He gave me $600 of his own, I mean, not say, I'm sorry, $500 of his own money. Then he turned around and had the, the church to write me $500 check because he believed in my math program. And he said, he said, Brother Edward, he said, I'm trying to get him to understand the importance of math. He said, but I understand. He said, take those books that you were going to give to the church, and I want, I want you to give them to uh, whomever you want and help them. That's the kind of man that he was. He was always giving, always giving, giving, giving. And, and, and TJ, I just want to thank you. Don't get off the air because you're coming back. You're going to be here talking because we got some more people that's going to be talking and we can all we can all uh, concur with what they're saying, because if if more ministers, that need to be a, a, a book that uh, Pat need to put together about her dad, so we can pass it out to a bunch of these ministers, so they can know what it's all about. Because Pastor Price was a man of God that knew that he was chose to be a servant for the people to the people. Yeah, and, and and that's what I appreciated about Reverend Price is that yeah. he was always in a certain mode. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? It wasn't about him. It was about yes. what he could do for you. And stay on because I got I got Mr. Tyson on. You know, you know, Mr. Tyson, Mr. Tyson, Admiral you can David. Uh, David, yeah, David Tyson. Uh, we, we we want to hear from you, Mr. Tyson. I know he's on. So what we're going to do, we're going to try to get him on. But uh, since he's, we have a little problem getting him on, we're going to let uh, Gina, Gina Riley uh, come on and say some things about uh, Pastor Price. Good afternoon, my brothers and sisters. How are you today? Thank you for having me. I am um, elated with what uh, my, my other mentor, Mr. Jefferson, just said it, it echoes and dittos everything that I believe. Um, as a product of Hamilton Park, um, I can honestly tell you, first and foremost, I joined New Mount Zion in 1977. Um, Dr. Price was my, my um, another friend to my mom as my mom was Sister Price's hairdresser They had a standing appointment Every week for like 30 years and so I would often watch him and his Mannerism as he came To the beauty salon down in Hamilton Park to pick up Sister Price And how gentle And kind and Reverent he was and how Cordial he was He was always a loving person Um, I think as I Became a young adult in the young, the uh, young adult R.E. Price Choir, which I, I know Toloid and several of us were a part of that. We watched transitions from us being just few observers to being active and involved. One of my first real counterparts um, were a couple of ladies at New Mount Zion that, you know, Pat was one of them in the choir, Sharon Sharon Allen, uh, Pam Burden, all of us, we learned from Dr. Price. We learned the way to treat people. We learned the way to be respectful. And we learned how to help our community. I formed a, a co-ed drill team back in 
1985 called the Positive Young Teens of Hamilton Park. And, and the purpose at that time was to teach our children how to be productive and teach them how they need to prepare for life's challenges and how to perfect, prepare for a career because Dr. Price himself was a um, financial person at, with Lomas and Nettleton. So in between times, you know, we would have him come speak along with some of the others about what those young people needed to do to prepare themselves for the careers that they were going to take on. I myself ended up in finance, um, had a lot of conversations about about finance with Dr. Price. I actually was working at Dairy Queen back in the day, and he told me something that I still remember. He said, little sis, you're much more than flipping a hamburger. You have a lot to offer, and you need to pursue what God has for you. So as of today, I have been in finance, banking and finance, for over 35 years, and I attribute some of that to Dr. Price's teachings and, and mentorship. And what I can confidently say, when you have a person that is a leader, they have to let their light shine, and they have to be about the walk, not just the talk, so that the people will stay in touch and stay engaged. And that is why for the last, I don't know how many years, I have been encouraged, I have been motivated, I have been mentored by a lot of key mentors, including Thomas Jefferson, which is on the phone. And and what that means for people is that you never know who you're going to impact. You can impact one person, and it'll make a difference. But that one person that I can honestly say that impacted my life, because every single year from 1990 all the way up until his passing, when we had a Juneteenth parade or event, he was calling me or having uh, Minister Pruitt or uh, Charles Kelly or any of those uh, dedicated deacons and ministers at the church to call me, get in touch with me, get in touch with, with TJ and say, hey, the community's event, the community's Juneteenth, the community's involvement is important, so we need to keep this thing alive. And not only did he command community engagement, he participated, he gave. He would always call and say, y'all come pick up this check now. We know we y'all need it for the permits. Let's get this thing going. And so every year we made it bigger and better, and now I'm so happy that the young people have picked up the torch and carried it on. But it, it was his involvement and his leadership, his presence, his love for his community. Um, I can tell you uh, without a shadow of a doubt, I am not the only one that feels this way uh, in my area. When you mention Dr. Price's name, people's eyes still light up because this was a man that did not only talk his talk, he walked his walk. Yeah. And the most enlightening and most precious thing to me personally that happened in my lifetime you know, as a member, what, 40-year-plus member of New Mount Zion, is the fact that, and I believe PJ will remember this. If you don't, I'm going to refresh your memory. My daughter, Gia McLeod, was in her last year of college at Texas yeah. College. And I, I'm trying not to cry because you know I'm a crybaby. 
something happened where my daughter was in the wrong place at the wrong time. My mom and I uh, reached out to, to, to Pastor, and Pastor went to work. Pastor called the congregation, uh, I don't know what they call him, head of the congregation, Bishop, I believe, and him and TJ went to Texas College in Tyler, Texas, to make sure my baby was right, is all right. And, and because of that, because of that walk, because of what he had instilled in all of us, something happened that wouldn't have happened if those two men of God didn't step in and fill in the gap. Because if you don't fill in the gap where the gap is needed, things will fall apart. And I think that going forward, people need to realize we have a responsibility to raise our people up. And when they got finished, my daughter walked across that stage, and I am forever grateful to the both of them. And I don't say it often enough, but, TJ, I want to tell you again, thank you. you because of your works and, and Pastor Price's works, you have a productive young lady in a career and, a, and owns a business. And so when we meet those hurdles along the way, we still, as leaders, have the responsibility to raise other people up and continue to pass that torch. Now, I'm not going to take up a whole lot more time, but I just really wanted you guys to know that Pastor was the people's pastor. Pastor mm. was the community's pastor. And Pastor was the community's mentor. And I don't really recall anyone ever that is going to be able to fulfill those those shoes, and we don't want to because he was one of a time, and that's all I have. Thank you. You know, Gene, I tell you what, you, you, you're talking about a crowd. You're about to make me start crying on my own show. <laughs> <laughs> because, because what you're saying, it, 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 it touched me. And because, you know, my, my brother Harry was on, and he talked about Reverend Price marrying him and, and his wife, Pam. Right, I, I remember 40, that. One year, Pastor Price uh, married myself with my wife, and we're still together because of some of the things that he said, the way he talked to us. And, and it was such a blessing because I still just remember the two of us, uh, you know, when he, he had me back talking to me, and I'm getting nervous, and he's, brother, don't get, you know, brother, don't get nervous. And, 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 and it's just a blessing to hear other people to know 41 years that he married. The only other church I ever knew was New Mount Zion. That was it. You know, because of the love. But I, I got somebody else on right now. I have. I know Jason. I'm, Jason, I'm, I'm coming to you, Jason. But I got to get Mr. Tyson on. Uh, Mr. Dave Tyson. Mr. Tyson, could you, could you come on and share some things with us? You know, you know the devil is at work because Mr. Tyson got a lot of positive stuff to say about Reverend Price. And you know, the devil, he's listening just like we got our listening audience out there. He listening yes. too, and he's trying to keep keep Mr. Tyson from uh, coming on. But, Ms. Tyson, we're going to get you on, but we're going to have Jason to come on right now. Jason, Jason uh, Jackson, are you there to, to share with us about uh, the impact that Reverend Price made for you? Absolutely, absolutely. Good afternoon to everyone. Uh, Tolar, thank you so much uh, for facilitating, uh, you know, this opportunity because as, as I had the pleasure and the honor of listening to everyone, uh, you know, uh, Brother Thomas Jefferson, and and of course Gina Riley as well. I mean, it, I was just literally chilled 
by the words that I heard because they resonated so deep in my spirit, you know. And and when you, when you hear the name R.E. Price, and whether you put a pastor in front of it or a reverend or a doctor, R.E. Price, the, the name in and of itself, is is a standard of excellence that signifies the impact that he had on everyone, and and so when when I listen to these very real testimonials and these stories of who he was and how his character uh, shaped not only a community and a city and a state and churches and colleges and all of these things, I'm reminded of really how significant the impact is. Because when you look at an individual's life and you think about okay, the life is the dash, and so you celebrate the things that they've done. And then you look at their legacy, meaning what they leave behind. But the legendary part about it is the number of people that your life impacted. And so even while Pastor Price was with us, he was called a living legend, meaning at that point his life already impacted a significant amount of people while he was living. And so as we talk about this impact, you know, I'm I'm just reminded of just, you know, who Pastor Price was for everyone. It's bigger than New Mount Zion. It's bigger than Hamilton Park. While while I love both New Mount Zion and Hamilton Park, right, Pastor Price gave me my first job. He, he, he was such an innovative thinker that before the new church was built, he used to walk me around the land and and share with me what his vision was as a kid. And so I'm looking at this at this older man as a dreamer. But at the same time, he was a mentor. He was a lifelong mentor. He was an example, but he was also a friend. So here I am as a kid listening to this older man paint a vision to me of what he saw in his mind. And then as I'm able to see these things coming to fruition, he's still walking me through the process. Well, yeah, the structure's built, the foundation has been laid. We're going to put some mauve carpet throughout here. I never even knew what the word mauve was. I didn't even know what that color was, mauve. So so it was that, it was that uh, being an educator for everyone, a father to many, even though, you know, he had Lisa and Pat and Robert that he was a father to. But he was a father to many, and he was a, a respected leader, not only in the community, but in the state and in the city and even in the nation and amongst, um, you know, all uh, clergy, I mean, black, white, um, regardless of the culture, the race, Pastor Price uh, was just really a, um, an icon of wisdom, right? And, and when you think about uh, an icon, right, it, it's, it's just like an image, right? When you see that image, you automatically think of something, right, like the Nike sign, the swoosh, just do it, or, or Jordan, right, a sign of excellence. But for Pastor Price, that icon is just wisdom, right? And in that wisdom, you have love, right? And, and I heard Gina Ryder talk about his kindness and his strength and the fact that he was a servant leader and he was gentle and he was kind and reverent towards his queen, and then she said a word that I was like, man, that's a powerful word. She said his demeanor. I said, ooh, you don't even talk about a person's demeanor anymore. But Pastor Price had this demeanor of wisdom that was so authentic and strong and bold, but yet and still he was kind. He was a servant leader. And so not only was he somebody who promoted education for the betterment of everyone, you know, youth, he would always – 
you know, he was innovative and said, okay, we need to have a scholarship for our youth that are going to college. And so then he implements this and then celebrates them in the spring of every year and encourages them and gives them the mic and allows them to articulate where they're going and what they're majoring in. So now that becomes the expectation for higher education, right? And then not only that, he said, okay, community and church members, those of you that may not have had the opportunity to be educated in college, we're going to have some computer classes. We're going to have some some literacy class. We're going to still help you and celebrate your growth, right? And so he then even had graduations for seniors and other adults that went through a computer class for a period of time and learned a skill and got a certification to show that you still can continue to learn. We always should be constantly learning and growing and developing. And so it's just that type of uh, example that that, that Pastor Price set that I really think um, needs to be captured in such a way that, you know, uh, this podcast is obviously fire, right? It's beautiful the fact that we have this opportunity to capture this, right? So now then you have to, what, share it and put it out so that so many others who didn't have the opportunity to really get to know Pastor Price in a very intimate way like many of us have, would still be able to get these foundational principles of wisdom because that's what we're lacking, right? We're lacking an individual who can embody wisdom consistently, right? And, and, and when Gina Ryder talked about even the youth being taught how to treat people and how to be respectful, right, how to communicate and, and even dress in such a way that, you are just personifying respect. And see, that that's a whole other mindset that Pastor Price constantly shared with any and everyone in a very non-threatening, in a very loving, in a very teaching way. You know, I mean, he, he stood for his standards, right? He had standards that he stood on that were non-negotiable. And you know, we talked about those, you know, uh, Thomas Jefferson just said it very, very, very plainly, right? God, family. And community, right? There, there was there was an order in which he stood on, and in that order, uh, th- there was things that were uh, served as an example. So, so, so in my mind right now, you know, I'm always thinking about okay, uh, the what, the so what, and the now what, right? The now what is because this 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 example and this and this uh, icon of wisdom is so strong to many of us, as evidenced by where we what we're doing right now. Wouldn't it be awesome, right, similar to, to the Hamilton Park book that was captured by uh, individuals working on his doctorate at UNT, wouldn't it be awesome if there was a, a, a book of wisdom, right? Uh, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the pastor uh, R.E. Price book of wisdom, right, because he always referred to Proverbs, right, as, as foundational wisdom that we should use to guide our lives. But how he lived, how he treated people, how he was a giver, you know, everyone always already talked about the monetary uh, things that he would do, always going in his pocket, right, from a monetary standpoint. But even time, even his time, right, taking away from his family and from his wife to go visit the sick and still, you know, teaching on Wednesday nights and even sometimes teaching, you know, early in the morning, maybe preaching early in the morning, then teaching Sunday school and then going to preach again and then going to, you know, be present in meetings and make decisions and participate in uh, the Juneteenth parade and organize this and build this, right? And so I just believe that if there was an 
R. E. Dr. R. E. Price Book of Wisdom, right, as told through stories and poems and examples. I just think it would just be so powerful as it relates to uh, being able to continue, uh, you know, the, the legacy of this legend. Because because we hear about it, right, and, and that's why I said I'm so fortunate to be able to even be on this podcast, to hear it. But what about so many others who resonate with it, but unfortunately at this present moment not having the opportunity to hear it, right? And then those that are younger, that didn't know him or didn't, didn't get the chance to meet him. How then can they learn the same principles of wisdom, right, as through the example that, that, that he, the light that he shines on all of us and so many? How then can the future generations, the kids and the grandkids and the grandkids of the kids, right, how, how then can they still have that same connection? Because we know it's powerful, right? Because just listening you know, gave me chills because I, I could relate. But for those that hadn't had the opportunity to meet him personally, how then can they still resonate those same principles for fathers and for sons and for mothers and for daughters, right? And so that that's all I have. I hope I wasn't uh, too long, uh, but I think everything no. that, that was already said definitely needed to be said in the way that it was said. And so for me it was just, to think about that constant example, you know, of an individual who who is definitely legendary in the world, right, just by being a lifelong mentor in the community and a constant example always to others, a friend to all, and an educator for everyone. And, and just those kind of things and being a leader, he definitely was God sent. I mean, 100%. But we're all God sent. God sent all of us. And so that's the thing. So So, yeah, he sent him to be the – extraordinary individual that he was, but he also sent you to be the extraordinary individual that you are. And so now you should use some of his principles and his examples and now apply them. to. That's all he was telling us. Apply right. these to your life. You do you. Stay in your lane. Be the best version that God created of you. Don't try to be like anybody else because you can't but be respectful and have a standard of excellence for yourself, right? Live according to these principles. And as Thomas Jefferson said, you too may be successful. Yes. Wow. That's the book of wow. wisdom. Yes. Wow. That's it. Yes. That's the book of wisdom. That's so powerful. Jason, that's so powerful, you know, and I, and I appreciate what you, what you said because that's the, mm, thank you, Jesus. That's the mm. reason for this podcast. Is it's really first of all it's about Jesus Christ. It's about you having something mm-hmm. in your life, and and if you haven't got a chance to to hear the rest of my podcast, you need to go back and hear the very first one, which talks about it's the parent's responsibility to introduce your child or mm-hmm. children to to our Savior Jesus Christ. And then then I have to echo on what um, what Jason said about uh, the podcast. See, uh, I got I gotta say I had a friend, and I'm just moving across. I want you to understand. I just got a call this morning about a friend that was in good health and, and died. I got to call the day. See, the deaf angel is coming. You, you, you just keep on living. Like my grandfather said, just keep on living, and the deaf angel will catch up with you. And, and the thing that, that I like about what, what Jason is talking about is that this podcast, when we're gone, it will be an example of Reverend Price's life for other people to say, God, I wish I could have met that man. 
Man, I wish I could have met him. See, we had we have had the opportunity to meet him, and he's formed in our lives how we live today. And so this podcast, that's why I say people need to share this podcast so that others can hear about a man that they didn't get a chance to meet, the new members that never got a chance to meet Reverend Price. You need to listen to this and find out about the man. But I got to bring on somebody else right now. See, I told you, the devil always trying to get in the mix trying to get in the mix, trying to keep Mr. Tyson from coming on. Because Mr. Tyson, Dave Tyson, was the first black board member for Richardson Independent School, so he understands the importance of education. And Jason just talked about how Reverend Price would have those type of classes for his members to try to help them. So I'm going to just let you come on, Mr. Tyson. Dave Tyson. Good afternoon, everyone. What a blessing, what a pleasure it is to be with good friends and to be with people who know the Reverend Dr. R.E. Price. What a blessing. I am not from Dallas. I am not from the Hamilton Park community, but I got to the Hamilton Park community as quick as I could by joining Hamilton Park United Methodist Church in 1977. So, so I am truly an adopted a part of, of the Hamilton Park community. And, and as you stated, you know, I didn't meet certainly Dr. Price like all of you did. I didn't meet Dr. Price, I guess, personally until the early 2000s, and it was, and it was before I was on the school board. It was actually at a uh, Dr. MLK um, banquet celebration that I, that I initially met him and Jerry Allen at the time was our city council person. So I really kind of met him through that coalition of people, um, and he stood out. You know, he resonated as a man of, uh, as, that has been stated of wisdom, that a, a godly man, uh, but a man who had purpose, who had purpose for his community. Uh, I, I think I've heard someone indicated it, indicate that it was, you know, it was God, family, then community. And so that, that just really resonated with me. Now, in 2003-ish or so, one of, my, one of my mentors in the Hamilton Park community, a long-term member of my church and a part of the Hamilton Park Civic League was, was Mr. Uh, C.J. Smith. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, he, was, he, he said, uh, David, you need to go sit down with Dr. Price, if you're going to run for school board, and so he he made the introduction um, to Reverend Price, and I went over to New Mount Zion and um, sat down with him, which I thought was probably going to be no more than a 15 or 20 minute you know conversation. I don't know exactly how long it lasted, but it lasted for a while. <laughs> we we had a lot to talk about. And he was providing me with some in, some some incentives, providing me with some wisdom and some knowledge on what it would be like for the first person for the first person of color uh, to be on the Richardson ISD school board. So I, I I decided when I decided to run, and it was 2004 when the election campaign kicked off, and uh, you know fortunately the the person who I was was going to run against decided to drop out of the race, so I ended up being elected um, with, without without a, without an opponent. But 
as I when I got into this position, I, I realized, or I, I, at least I think I knew, there were going to be some obstacles. You know, as you have indicated, you know, the, the devil likes to get involved in anything that's good. I knew there were going to be obstacles. I wasn't quite sure how I was going to handle those op- obstacles, but but I knew I had to. I knew I had to handle those things because I have now I had now been elected by the by the people to serve, and I was serving not the way the district is set up now with single member districts. I was serving at large, so I that mean that meant I had to reach all four attendance uh, zones: Lake Highlands, you know, Berkner, Richardson, uh, and JJ Pierce, and. I grew up, well, my kids grew up going to uh, Berkner and, and Lake Highlands. So there was always kind of a, a preference, you know, to those to those attendance zones because of those relationships that I had. But I didn't have any relationships in, in Richardson or, or J.J. Pierce. And, and Dr. Price helped, helped me better understand how to um, engage those people who didn't look like me, who didn't act like me, and, and in some cases, didn't even want me in their environment. So those were things that, that Dr. Price helped, helped me with. Now, one of the things that we were engaged with at that time was issues in the school district, particularly as it related to black and brown uh, boys, and the, the, area, the, the issues with discipline, how they were being sent you know, to the disciplinary campus at a higher rate, at a much higher rate, than the Anglo students were, were being sent. And so I came to him for some advice. And what we, what we decided to do, and I don't think this has happened since, we decided to hold a town hall meeting. Now, I may not be, I may not be the first uh, school board trustee to hold a town hall meeting, but I certainly believe I'm the only school board member uh, in the last 15 years that's held an independent town hall meeting. And that town hall meeting was held at New Mount Zion Baptist Church. That was that was unheard of in Richardson ISD. You know, they do it in DISD all the time. But in Richardson ISD, for a school board member to hold a town hall meeting, yes. And I would not have had the courage to do that had it not been for, for Dr. Ari Price. Dr. Ari, Dr. Price stood by me in some difficult times when I was on the school board. People don't sometimes quite understand that when not only you get all this press about being the first, but you also get this press about being the, the first person who maybe didn't do everything that the community wanted him to do. You know, so, so there are things that you have to deal with and you always need to have someone to, to support you. But and Dr. Price was, was that person. I remember in 2009, and I'll never forget this, and this was not popular, not popular to even some of the folks that are on this call right now, that we had made the decision that we were going to move out from under the court decree that had been in place since 1970. Mm-hmm. And we felt like it was time to move out from under that court decree. We hired a public relations agency to come in to help support that. We, uh, an African-American female who was in charge of that, and we went to all of the pastors to, to, to get their feedback on it. On that night, the only pastor that showed up was Dr. Harry Price. 
you know, when, when you're sitting in that room surrounded by people that don't look like you and certainly people who don't necessarily agree with you, you're isolated. You're, you're, you're isolated. And I felt isolated. Not only did I feel isolated from the board members, but I felt isolated from the community. So Dr. Price helped get through that by letting me know that God was in charge. God God was in charge, and he was standing by me. That was phenomenal. I mean, it just kind of blew me away, totally blew me away that, that, that one man would stand when the others would not. So, and I'm not just speaking of local community people. I'm speaking of the fact that no other minister would stand. So I understand what he means to this community as a servant leader, as a, as a man of God. Uh, I was so proud when I received the invitation. Well, I didn't really receive the invitation. I got a call from his office <laughs> uh, inviting me to the post office uh, dedication ceremony, mm-hmm. uh, but but I want I want to give give you know that that was a, those are some serious things that I've just talked about. But I want to give just to add a little color to this in terms of how on a casual basis uh, my wife and I would would see Dr. Price, um, and I, I forgot the name. I know it was two it was two cafeterias. It was, originally it was one on on Central Expressway that is closed down. That was either Luby's or or furs, and and, and 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 we would go there after church sometimes, and we would, you know, we're, we're the Methodist folks, and so we would get out before the Baptists would get out, and we would make our way up to, uh, make our way up to the cafeteria, and sure enough, uh, Dr. Price and his his group would be coming in, and his wife would be coming in for to, to eat eat lunch at the cafeteria on, on on Central Expressway, and when that cafeteria closed, then there was, I believe it was the furs that was left that was over in Richardson, over by the old Richardson Square Mall, and I'd see him there too. And so uh, I think I must have made a comment about. It. I said, "Are you following me?" He said, "No, you following me. <laughs> you <you're> following me." <laughs> and so I said, "Come on in, Reverend Price," because at that time his wife was starting to have some some sicknesses. And he was um, he would sometimes just come to get get lunch for her, uh, and and just kind of take the lunch with him. But everyone has stated that, and so it's the obvious in terms of what his leadership meant to not only this community, but what it meant to the city of Dallas. Mm-hmm. Mary Price didn't just didn't just touch people in the Hamilton Park and the greater Starch Road community. He touched people all over City Council District Ten. He made an impact. He made a difference. So uh, giving God the glory, and it was, it was such a, an honor and a pleasure for me that, that Dr. Price adopted me into, his, into, into the community and especially uh, that I could call uh, a friend. Amen. Amen. Mr. Tyson, you know, uh, I tell you, it's, it's a blessing. Every... For me, every time I see you, and, and, and matter of fact, all my uh, my guests today, whenever I see them, they always have a smile, you know. And I know yeah. they have a smile because because God lives within them, you know. B- before I bring on uh, Pat, because she's got a chance to listen to what all y'all have said, and 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 I joked with Pat the last time. I said, Pat, I, I'm gonna give you some time to go get you some Kleenex and 
and wipe your eyes, you know, because I know that you are just so so over uh, overjoyed with the people uh, and what they have said. And so uh, I'm going to read a, a, one of my poems. It's a different poem this time because I, I always ask God. I say, Lord, what it is? What is it that you want me to share with your with your listening audience? And so this particular poem I wrote is called The Rock. I actually wrote this this poem for my little girl because uh, at the one, at that time I only had the one daughter, and I, I wanted to I, I understand the importance of a rock. Uh, Reverend Price had that rock. Listen, I want you to listen closer to this. It says. The rock, there's a rock in my life, a rock that my parents told me about, a rock I decided to choose, a rock that I will not lose, a rock that I will not remove, a rock that you or no one else can remove, a rock that cannot be moved. You need a rock in your life. You need this rock in your life. This rock can take over your life and give you life. This rock will keep you from taking your own life. This rock will keep you from messing up. This rock can solve all of your problems. This rock will save your life. Don't let this rock slip away without you knowing about this rock. Do you have this rock in your life? Do you want this rock in your life? This rock does not care where you live, the way you look, the way you dress, and the car you drive. Money cannot buy this rock. This rock is not for sale. This rock is Jesus Christ. Let this rock into your life and make it your life so you can have a life. Yes. That poem also reminds me about Reverend Price. He had that rock. You know, couldn't yes. nobody take it from him. The yes. people that I have on this line, the people that are talking today, they have this rock. They will yes. not lose this rock. And I'm going to bring on Pat Price because she got a chance to live around someone that we have talked about today yes. that lived in her own home where she got a chance to share. So, Pat, I want you to to come on, and I want you to to just say what you want to say, but I know you want to acknowledge the, the people that have got a chance to say something about your father today. And so we want to give you the time to, to just kind of say whatever God puts on your heart, Pat. Good afternoon, Tola. Good afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, Brother Jefferson, Gina Riley, and David Tyson. And Jason Jackson, my heart is filled with gratitude and love. I am just gobbling over with joy to know on this 11th, this is the 11th year of my dad's transition. It was July the 14th. And I'm just so thrilled to sit back and to hear your stories, impactful stories, stories uh, where dad gave you advice, came in your presence to extend whatever services he could 
if it was just a word of uh, kindness, a word of thanksgiving, gratitude, humility, a word just to share and let you know that he was on your side. Not only was he on your side, God was on your side. I'm listening now, and I can hear him saying, if I be lifted up, not his him, but if Christ be lifted up, he will do the drawing. I also picked up something out here in the study. It's Dad's old study, and it's my study room. It says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. That comes out of James, the fourth chapter, verse 10. I did not understand what humility was. My dad had to teach me humility. My mother was a humble person, both of my parents. And I kind of got beside myself as I got to be an adult, a married adult. And my dad always, he had a way. He didn't say a whole lot as we got, his children became adults. He just lived a life in front of us. And one day I came over to my parents' house. I was getting ready to go to the, uh, I think it was the Dunbar Cotillion. I got off into the social scene with the Idlewild and the Dunbar and other social organizations over. Uh, those are the two that I can think of here in Dallas uh, where debutantes in college are presented. And I had gone to the Mac counter and had a guy to make up my face. I came over to my parents' house, and I thought I was just really looking good. Dad had a way. He saw me, and he didn't see me. He saw through me. He saw the makeup. He never said a word. My mother told me, she said, you don't need to put on so much makeup, Pat. Uh, too much makeup makes you look old. Daddy never said, oh, that's too much makeup. He continued to read his Bible. He was preparing for the Sunday message, and this was on a Saturday evening when I came over. He taught me something that day by not making any comment. It allowed me to see that he saw me. But as I stated, he saw through me. He was more concerned about the what he was depositing in his children internally as opposed to how we were looking externally. Um, Dad was a peculiar person because he didn't fit the mold of a typical African-American Baptist preacher. He just did not fit the mold. And I wanted him to fit in that mold. And he was more concerned about the welfare of the community as opposed to uh, driving a fancy car. He was not consumed 
with things. He was more concerned about helping young people um, in the Richardson ISD, as uh, Mr. Tyson just said. He was really concerned about the uh, students, particularly African-American males. We had some situations within our church that caused him to have to go to court on the young men's behalf, um, and this was early. This was back in, the, I guess, maybe the 80s. Um, he, was a, he was a quiet man. What he did, I believe, was he sat back, and I believe Daddy studied people. He didn't um he didn't talk to a lot of people. He he'd engage with many. He was uh he, he got he became more of a um extrovert through pastoring, but he was really a quiet person who was concerned about children getting their education, families staying in their homes. He believed in Home ownership. He believed in um, not just home ownership. He believed in living a life where he could he could he wanted to see people reach their full potential financially, and he always talked about how to save and put the money in CDs and put it in mutual funds. And, and and not squander money and not spend, not, as I say, don't worry your money. You don't have to go out and buy uh, lavish clothing to get people to like you. He believed in putting it in children's educations. Uh, he believed in spending time with family, taking vacations, doing things with children while they were, were small, young, growing up, helping to train them, helping to nurture them, helping to groom them. He was he was not so much a money preacher. What I mean by that, you could come to him, my mother's anniversary, um, for the pastor and wife to do my family. You didn't have to have any money because he wasn't looking for your money. He had a job. He 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 had a job when he went to New Mind Zion, and eventually he was able to retire. But he believed in he was a family oriented preacher who wanted to see families staying together, being on one accord, uh, being blessed by the Lord, living a life that God would be pleasing. And um, told all I'm trying to think what what more I can say. Um, he began to join, and I'm looking at some things right now out here in the study. As a little girl, my dad only had three certificates. He had his, and I'm going to read them to you. He had a certificate of license when he began preaching. And this one says 197, I believe it is, the gospel ministry, but Either this is 67, but he started before then. Uh, he believed in the Dallas Negro Chamber of Commerce. 
This certificate is from 1968 when he was a member. And now we know the name has changed to, I believe, the Black or the African, the Black Chamber or the or the African American Chamber. And then he had his honorable discharge from the Army of the United States. That year, I'm not able to see it, but I believe it was the early. It was 61. 1961. He had those three certificates. He had no more. And as he began to flourish in ministry and work and serve, Dad began to obtain all type of awards and accolades, but he never got beside himself thinking that he was it, that he had made it to the top. Uh, he continued what he did. He was um, in education. We have what's called scaffolding, where you have props. You have the teacher, and the teacher has maybe a teacher's assistant, and then you have a counselor, and you have your principal, and you use all type of resources to help a child to learn to read, and you you. It's called scaffolding, and you take these stepping stones and you help the child. And then when you get to a certain point, uh, you guide them first. You demonstrate and you model. My dad did that for me, Robert, and Lisa when we were in elementary school, and he did it for other uh, children. And not only children, he did it for adults because I can remember and I'm kind of jumping from one thing to another, but I can remember when he worked at Lomas and Nettleton, I told you he was the first black for 15 years. Well, later on, he began to bring in other people of color, and he began to meet people on his job who said, I need a secretary. Uh, I remember he hired, he helped a young lady in our church. She was a young um, Deborah may have been about 18. This was a different Deborah, not Deborah one, but a different Deborah, Deborah Jones, uh, who is no longer living. But he helped her to get on down in the Bryan Tower. He helped, I think, LaRon Jackson to get on. He helped many people. Some of those, some of the people that he helped, they didn't even have a high school degree, and they were not all African Americans. I'm, I'm in my mind, thinking of one guy in particular, I believe he was uh, a white gentleman. He helped. He helped these people uh, to to navigate their, navigate their way and get employment so that they could provide for their families. And um, not only helping them in that area, he helped people because I told you my dad majored in uh, math. Math and agriculture. He did people's taxes in Hamilton Park. He was a notary. He did many, many, many jobs. And um, he helped. His thing was to, that servant leader, even before he became a pastor, he was already helping people to obtain work, employment, jobs. And he continuously did that. And after pastoring so many years, he went over to the Jewish services, which is uh, in Addison, I believe. And he 
modeled their job bank and brought it back to New Mount Zion is what he did because he was always thinking about ways that he could help people within our area to get employment because everybody needs to be working in order to be uh, self-sustaining, so efficient to to uh, get what their needs are. Uh, nobody wants to see uh, everybody on Section 8 or everybody, um, and no, no offense when I say that, uh, we know that some of our family members, they will be on it. We know that some people will be on welfare. The Bible says that we, the poor we would have with us always. But when you can help bring people up to a, to a higher standard, when you can, I remember we needed back in the 80s, there was a thing with the state of Texas about literacy. And they needed places where they could go and help uh, people to obtain GEDs and, and get uh, better with their literacy, with their reading. And we brought in at our church a group of women, and they trained Sister Ada Hansford, who was a teacher, who is an educator, retired. They trained Sister Hansford and others to help those right in our community here. Uh, this area in which we live in um, has so many, um, how do I put this, so many apartment units down Forest Lane that I can recall at one time we tried to get a GED school. We did a grant through PIC, Private Industry Council, because we could see that there were so many people in this Northeast Dallas corridor who uh, were needing um, assistance through education. And I believe now RISD has a program in the evening at Stoltz Road, I believe, for his adults. And it may be for all, for GED, I'm not sure. But Dad's thing was helping pe get people educated spiritually as well as for life so that they would be productive citizens. Uh, and I just want, I don't want to take up too much time, but as I look around this room, he has so many resolutions. Uh, at his death, he had so many resolutions, and I didn't know some of the churches. They were not in our affiliation. They were not in our denomination. Uh, it was so many, and I, the impact, I, I began to see at that point, this man really did leave an impact, not only on uh, New My Zion members, not only on Hamilton Park community or the Stoltz Road area or even the city of Dallas. He left an impact throughout the nation. I began to contact ministers and people in other states to let them know Dad had gone, and they had already gotten the news. Um, again, like I said, I was trying to fit him in a mold where I wanted him to be a typical African-American Baptist preacher, but that was not him. 
he was led, directed, Holy Ghost filled by God from on high. And so on the day that he died, he had peace. I could see it on his face. He died right here in the home, in his chair. He was peaceful. He had done all that God had assigned his hands to do. And he his, his task was complete. And so as Jason Jackson had stated, good point, Jason, about the question, where do we go from here? We do write. We do document a book. It is coming. I didn't know how to put it together. You all have helped me through your interviews, through your comments, your stories, to understand his magnitude. Oftentimes, people do not, uh, the person out on the street, I was taught when I worked with uh, students at Dallas Can, it's not that they, they failed to plan, that they that they meant to uh, deliberately not finish school. They didn't have that mentor or a person to help them to navigate. And so the young people today with this affirmative action that has just been passed or disbanded that I'm seeing, we will have to, as African Americans, engage more our grandchildren and just young people's lives. We will have to invest time, and we will have to tell them and share with them our stories so they won't get discouraged and want to stop. We will have to make sure that we are really on the beat, that we know what we're talking about. We A lot of us have had many experiences, and we've lived, and we've had obstacles, but we we learned how to maneuver and to navigate, and we had strategies. We had a plan. Dad took his experiences. He didn't bottle them up and keep them to himself. He shared them with every person, every guest that is on today. He shared them with you so that you could, in return, share them, pour into some person's life, invest time, invest your talent, your ability to help someone else. And that's how we um, scaffold, scaffolding. That's how we help others as they are coming through the educational system, the work system, as, they're, uh, as they are having um, health issues, we give them the word of God. We give them what they need to sustain them because his word will sustain you. God's word will keep us. It will hold us, carry us. It makes us what we need to be. If we stay grounded in the foundation. And I'm more now, as I'm getting older, I'm more in the foundation of God's word. I'm, I'm living to see things that my dad talked about. I, I, I didn't understand as a child growing up many things. But as, I, as the longer we live, we encounter and experience things for ourselves. 
the post office, I will say this, that was the pinnacle for Daddy. When they named that post office, they renamed it because I don't know the initial name, but there was a renaming. And he told me, I watched him. He actually went around and got letters from business owners. And when I say business owners, people in high places. And he hand-delivered those letters himself to the post office, to the mailbox, at the, uh, at the counter, not on the outside of the post office. And I said, Daddy, why are you doing this? You could have somebody to take the mail for you. He said, no. With this situation that I'm in, trying to get this post office, I'm going to deliver these myself to the post office. I could never understand many things he did on his own. He didn't wait around for people. And I said, you've got the size of my sign, the size of this church. You got people that can do certain things here. You need to delegate. You need to. But he said, no, I want this done right. So I'm going to do it myself. And he, he told me many things. He shared many things. He demonstrated many things. But mostly what he taught me was if I stay, I go back to this Bible verse, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He could see that I would be trying to get, I guess, above myself. And he always said, humble yourself in the sight of the humble humility pad. It's not being weak. It's, It's knowing who your enemies are. It's knowing the power of God and what his power will do for you when you're in a a room with three against one. We'll put it like that. And your job is on the line. Uh, If God be for you, he's more than the world against you. You know, oftentimes I would try to physically or verbally uh, fight my way, verbally more. So than physical. I wasn't no fighter, but I can take care of myself. But I had to learn to pick. Daddy knew how to pick certain situations, fights to be in. And he knew when it was time to either get a lawyer or just sit and be still and pray and let the Lord take care of it. He said, if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. I learned James 4 and 10 through personal encounters. And I want to say thank wow. you all. Thank you for your statements that you've made today. Wow. As I stated before, I had a daddy. I thought he was just ordinary like anybody else's. But lo and behold, it wasn't until he was actually gone that I realized what type of daddy I actually had. Wow. Thank you. Pat, Pat, what you're saying that, Pat, you know, you're going to be on the next two Sundays. And so we're going to reverse the order. 
And so we're going to go let Mr. Tyson uh, go first, and then we're going to end up in with TJ. Uh, Mr. Tyson, just tell Pat how much you appreciate her, her dad and, and what he did for for not only you, but all the listening audience that we have that maybe not able to get on the show. But just kind of share what you want to say to Pat. I, I would I would just say that yeah it's it's been a pleasure knowing your knowing your dad. It's certainly been uh, a pleasure knowing you and understanding the work that you are doing in the community. Uh, so to to God be the glory for having a father um, and parents that have meant so much to our community and, and our city. Thank you. You know I'm let go. Pat, you can go. Pat, go ahead. You can come in. What you what Mr. Tyson said, okay? I just want to say thank you, Mr. Tyson. Um, Mr. Tyson, I think my dad thought very highly of you. I would hear him mention your name. I had not met you or your wife. I think until the reception down at the Fairmont, and. Uh-huh. I just want to thank God for placing you in my dad's life through RISD as a trustee. Thank you. Thank you. Jason, uh, it's your it's your time now, Jason. So I just want you to whatever whatever God puts on your heart to to say to Pat. Yeah, uh, well, first of all, uh, thank you again, Pat. It's always a pleasure to just see you and to hear your voice and to be in your presence. Um, you know, I love you. Uh, one thing you said that kind of stood out to me that I, that I always resonate on, um, we don't choose our parents. You know, we don't, we don't choose our birth date, when we, were born, when we were born, where we would be born, or who we would be born to. Uh, it's, it's a gift from God. And so uh, it is, uh, you know, an honor and a privilege uh, for us all to be able to reflect uh, on who, you know, Robert E. Price uh, was as an individual. And, of course, your perspective is is so profound, uh, you know, being his daughter and he being your father and you calling him daddy. Uh, it's, It's just such a profound perspective. And so we just thank God. Uh, that he created uh, a man in his own image uh, who has impacted all of us in in different ways, but yet similar ways. And so, Pat, uh, I just celebrate with you uh, the fact that, you know, he was able to uh, to lead you and guide you and love you as a daddy, uh, while at the same time being able to lead God and love others. Uh, in various capacities. So I think we all celebrate together uh, just the yes. blessing that God has given to us. So, Pat, Pat, you know, go ahead and however you want to respond to that, Pat, because uh, Jason spoke from his heart. Jason, you have really grown up. I remember boy, and the Lord has really matured you. I can tell in your conversation and the words that you're using today. And I watched you 
from a from a young boy, I I, I tend to watch. I'm like daddy. I tend to watch people, and you have stayed the course. And I believe now, I see that you are this educational uh, achiever who's looking ahead, trying to think where will Pat, where will this podcast, this legacy for Pastor Price, where will it go from here? How will people know? thought about that, but that is a good question. And they will know based upon what I put on paper, what I document. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Absolutely. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Uh, when Tolar called me, uh, I, I just knew it was a, a brilliant idea uh, when he shared it with me. And so I, I always just think about, you know, how do you, how do we leave a legacy? You know, uh, the Bible speaks about uh, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And a lot of times we think about that inheritance just strictly being, you know, monetary or uh, financial in terms of resources, but it's so much more than that. Uh, it, it is it is what we're talking about today, you know, all of the principles and the values and the things that not only he stood for, uh, but he modeled, you know, after how Christ had already uh, instructed us to live. And so to see it in a person and to be able to, uh, you know, learn on a on a consistent basis from an individual uh, is such a beautiful thing that, that inspires all of us. It gives all of us hope and encouragement. Uh, how we may be able to live our life, and just you speaking about humility, I mean, it was it was so powerful because it's such a reminder for each of us in terms of humbling ourselves unto the Lord, and and then He exalting us. Because a lot of times uh, we can lose focus, especially in this day and age of social media, where you know it's it's so important to have likes and followers and shares and all of these other you know images that exist, you know, in a media form that we can lose focus of actual humility and really what's most important. And so to what you said about putting it on paper, somebody told me a long time ago, um, if you didn't document it, it didn't happen. And I thought that was interesting because while we know things happen, you know, uh, all of our lives have an expiration date at some point here on earth. And so, the way that it continues. I think about certain books I read, The, the Miseducation of the Negro by Dr. Carter G. Wilson. That book was written in 1912. And so when I read it, he had already passed away, but the words in which were scri- transcribed on paper still live and become relevant. And so that was the reason that I asked the question, just because of how powerful this podcast was on today, uh, I just was thinking like, man, how do our sons and daughters share in this same uh, powerful um, moment, right? And so obviously ca- captioning the, the podcast is a brilliant way of doing it, right, because you can continue. I mean, that lives forever like a song, you know, a song that was written, you know, several several years ago can still be relevant today, right? And so it's the same thing with the written word, you know, when you capture person's lifestyle and and their legacy and their example and their lessons and their impact i mean it's just it, it, it becomes a tremendous tool that is able to be taught from and learned from and it, it stays present and relevant 
Jason, you know, I, powerful, powerful, um, Jason. You know, I, it was a, I don't know, I, 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 I really went to the Lord and said, Lord, who you want me to, who you want me to, to, to have, uh, to have something to say about Reverend Price and, and Jason, you came up, and I'm so glad that that you came up. All the rest of my guests, guests that other shows that came up, and and now we're gonna we're gonna hear from hear from Gina. Listen. Big Sister Pat, and that is what I call you because I honor you and I respect you from that standpoint. We have gotten to know each other for the old, the last ten years or so, and I think the reason, my my supreme reason for over and over again asking you, please get involved, please go here with me, please go do this with me, please let's do MLK parade, please let's do this because I see. Your dad in you. I even told you, I tell you over and over again, you walk just like your dad. You have a presence like your dad. You love people like your dad. And you are wise. And so when you have that type of love that you are used to having around you, you don't want to let it go. So you want to carry it on to the next generation. We are our brother's keepers, okay? And I think... For the last 10 plus years, we've been our brother's keepers. And I know that that is what your dad would want because that is what he instilled in so many of us. That is what we are expecting to do. We need to look at that portrait, he ain't heavy, and continue to pull each other up. And I think what we're doing today has been spoken into existence by the simple fact that each and every one of us has a fond, factual relationship, memory, purpose, all rolled up into one of why we should even be doing this. But I just want to thank you personally because I know when we first got back together after being at church together for so long and you were older than I was and I was probably just that little snotty-nosed girl and then you saw what I was doing and then I'm like, okay, get in here with me. And you taught me how to pick and choose my battles. You just said that because there's been many times when I wanted to throw in the towel, but you don't know this. I'll go back and roll back in my mind. You said, Gina, pick and choose your battles. You're bigger than that. And by learning how to do that, I am at total peace with who I am, what I'm about, what I plan to do, and what my mission is. And so I, I let no one at this point take away my peace, my spirit, my joy. And it's because you have certain people connected in your life, you can do that without a shadow of a doubt. But you also have to put God first and believe in what his word says. By having a person like you around me, you have no idea. You have no – the days that we talk on the phone – all night long, and then you call back, and then we don't talk three, four weeks from, from now or what have you, I still remember it like it was yesterday. I never tell you anything because I've learned to listen and see the person's work. And your work now in this Hamilton Park community is irreplaceable. And what I want for you and all of us alike is to continue to do the work. We don't have to be out in the open. What you do already is written. And people don't have to know who you are. You don't have to have a title. The title is already written. You just have to stay the course. 
So when you get tired of whatever we say we get tired of, that's just the human aspect of our job. And so I say to you and everyone on this this podcast, do you do the work. Your reward is great. And I've seen it over and over again. And I will continue to do whatever I can do when God speaks to me and says, move. I will be moving. And that is all I have. And I, I love you to death. And you know, no, I love you to life. And you already know that. Wow, Pat, I know you want to comment on that, Pat, so go ahead. Thank you very much, Gina. Gina and Jason just reminded me. I am now the vice chair for Dallas County Historical Commission. And I'm helping other communities now to get their um, markers and document their stories. And it's definitely time, and I'm going to say it again, I just mentioned it, I think, when I was talking to uh, Jason, to document some notable people within the Hamilton Park community and Dr. Hamilton, for that matter. Gina, thank you. I wasn't going to get involved. I had no intentions of getting involved in the Hamilton Park community or any. Uh, I was I was fine living out in DeSoto. I was out there 28 years, and I was fine out there. And once I came out here, I was just, I mean, taking care of my mother, helping her. But I have grown to love working uh, listening and being engaged in community and civic affairs. And I just want to say thank you personally for getting me engaged. And now I know nothing else to do but stay engaged. Thank you, Gina. Well, now I'm to, I'm to you, TJ. You, you, you came first. You started out the race. And, and now Dean uh, is, is, is passing the baton to you for you to uh, say what it is that you would like to say to uh, to Pat. Okay. Thank you, Tola. Pat, mm. we uh, we go way back. You know your dad. You know Robert and I. We were we were pretty tight. I do know that he changed my world. And I'm saying that not just because of Hamilton Park, but I know he makes a difference in the the city of Dallas, the county, the United States of America, the whole world itself. But when I say things like, he taught me, he saw me coming, he knew I needed help, he knew I needed some guidance, and he's responsible for me putting God in my life first. He's responsible for me putting my family second, and he's responsible for me putting my community third in those orders. I just don't know how to say thank you, Pastor Price, enough, Robert. I just don't know how to, but I'll try. Even if I have to do it every single day when I wake up, I'll do that. I will never, ever forget the impact that this man made on my life. 
That's why I want to say this to you, Pat, now personally. Between you and I, it's time for you to get busy and start writing that book, start documenting this information about him. Let let the world know we can't go wrong by learning from him. We can't go. There's nothing. We can't do anything but cherish the thoughts and the things that he had to say. And we want it to be shared with as many people, with the world. We want everybody to know what type of man this guy was to impact us like he did. So, Pat, it's time to get busy. you got to put it. you got to start documenting it now. I know you've been thinking about it and you've been talking about it, and maybe you might have not thought that it was very important, but it's extremely important. We've got to keep this legacy going some type of way, and you are going to be point one, and you've got me right behind you. You've got me whatever it is that you want, need, or ask me to do, I'm in. I'm in it 100%. So thanks, Pat. Thank you very, very much for sharing your dad with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Jefferson. Uh, you don't know you got you got me crying now. <laughs> um, oh, you you have me crying. Uh, I think we're all crying. I, I I know I remember you, Brother Jefferson, from way yeah. back. Yeah. I remember you. Because yeah. remember, your wife Mary and the children was coming to New Mount yeah. yes. I remember. Yes. And all of a sudden, you came on the scene with the Civic League, and you were busy. Yes. And um, I just want to say, I don't know what all Dad talked to you about and instilled in you, but I know he planted a seed. He's like the yes. sore who planted a seed. Yes. And then somebody else came along, you know, the sun came out and the yes. rain came and you needed those uh minerals, those those you needed those things to help you to, to flourish and help you be who you are now. And so yes. I just say thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. 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 You, you know, everyone here uh has been moved and you know, it's the Cali Poetry Radio, and, and so I always try to share a poem to get people thinking because this whole podcast is about Jesus Christ. This this whole podcast is about uh, hope, and we have hope in, in Jesus Christ. Well, well, Reverend Price gave us hope. He gave all of us hope. So I'm going to share another poem, Carl. Share your life. And, and this poem came to me when uh, T.J. just said about uh, God and, and family. So this is called Share Your Life. Don't live your life alone. You are only here for a little while, and then you are gone. Share your life with the people you love. They are the ones that you will need to help you up off your knees. Your family and God, you must keep close to your heart. Remember, God is the only one that can save us all. Before you die, make sure you know that Jesus Christ is the one that gave us all life. You know, and I and I, and I read that because of the fact that uh, Reverend Price not only 
looked out for his family, but he considered all of us family. That's a man of God yes. that looks at the church, looks at, out at the church, and every kid, every child was in the church was his child. And you felt, you felt that way. You felt that you were special. What a man. To touch our lives like that, I'm, I'm listening to TJ and I'm just hearing him breaking up, and I'm like, that's because Reverend Price touched his life. I'm, yes. and, and I'm moved. I'm yes. moved because he t- he touched all our lives. Yes. And, and and before I I got I want the house of people to say some more, but I want to read this other poem that I always start off with because I'm saying to people now, you have got to make sure that your life stays on. My friend, I just told you died. Today, he was going to be on my podcast in August. Gone. And some of us out there still won't turn your life over to the Lord. Life. Life is like a light switch. When you are born, the light switch is turned on. When you die, no one should control that light switch except the one who turns it on. Some light shines so very bright that it's hard to see whether it's day or night. So don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by the bright light. Some lights barely shine, but that's all right. Just give them a little time, and the one that turned the light switch on will make things just right. Martin Luther King's light and Dr. Robert E. Price's light still shines bright. Even though the light switches off, the light is still left on. Jesus' light switch was turned off, but was turned back on. So you and I could find our way home. Even in the dark, our light could be left on. So leave something behind. But when your light, your light will still shine on and on and on. So, you know, when I think about this and I think about Reverend Price, you know, as a kid, he could see something special in you. You know, your light might be burning and shining, but he could see something. And he had the right words to say to you to encourage you. You know, sometimes you, you have kids that they, they get in trouble and, and people always want to say something bad about the bad kids. But how about saying something good to the good kids? I'm going to give you a prime example so you can understand what I'm saying. When my daughter was in the sixth grade, there was a little boy that was really, really bad. Everybody knew he was bad. He even knew he was bad. But when I saw him, I went up to him and I said, man, I've been hearing a lot of good things about you. He turned and looked his head like, he had, like I had said something wrong, right? But I said something positive to him. And the kid graduated. And when he, he and I saw each other, he smiled and I smiled. Well, that's kind of like Reverend Price. He always knew what to say to you to encourage you. Pat, and I know that, that, that you have so much more to say, and we're going to give you an opportunity next week. But, Pat, I, I just want you to, because I can't get off without this, because Reverend Price always visits the sick. So he was away from home when he was visiting the sick. So, Pat, you, you gave your father up 
for the people that were doing well, the people that were going through changes, but he spent time going and visit the sick. A lot of preachers not doing that anymore. They're not taking out the time to go visit the sick. So, Pat, we, we got about 10 more minutes. But, Pat, I want you to talk about, before we get out, how your father had time and made time to go get, visit those people that maybe life was almost over, but he would bring in that light. He would go to see him. So talk, just talk about the, how he would visit the sick. Well, when Dad uh, got off of his job, remember he was he worked 28 years at Loma. When he would get off of his job, he would go and visit before he came home. And told all my mother began to go with him uh, if he was going to visit a lady. Um, when mother couldn't go, as I got older, I began to go sometimes with dad. And at first, had to turn my head because I would be crying because he might be seeing a lady who was terminally ill. I had to learn that it was not about me, but it was about God. And God would want us to visit the sick. So I had to learn to forget about what I might be going through, and I had to focus on the word of God. I have actually, I began to start visiting the sick as a result of seeing my dad visit the sick. Um, And I had to learn to forget about what I was going through. Hold on, I pray for people when they were unconscious. I pray for people now on their deathbed. It is something that if you stick around a person long enough, you become what they are, they, they you take on their similarity. So it was just we had to understand as we were waiting in the waiting area, because if you remember years ago, way back, children couldn't go up in Parkland and children couldn't even, uh, we would sit down on a Sunday and mother would stay with us at Presbyterian Hospital while daddy would go up and visit someone that was sick. We had to learn that this visiting the sick was part of what God had called. Everybody is. Everybody doesn't care uh, to go visit. Everybody doesn't have that calling. I think that's a special calling when you talk about ministering to sick, uh, to the bereaved. That's a special thing, and uh, we have to first acknowledge that. Everybody can't do it. But I had to learn through watching my dad that I could start visiting as well. And um, it took a lot of our time. It took a lot of my mother, a time away from my mom, time from his children. But when he did come home, he was home. And he would forget about it. He had to learn. You have to learn how to to not bring so much of your work home with you. When he came, I saw an ordinary man, okay? I saw an ordinary daddy who went in, washed the day off of him. He took a shower, and he sat down. Mother had his meal prepared, and they just talked. They didn't talk so much about 
what was going on in the church because he learned that that was something he needed to leave there because it was that was between him and the deacons, him and the trustees. That was not between him and his wife. That was not between him and his family. He was the one that was called, not my mother, not the children. But we supported his ministry. We supported his vision. And then as he continued to visit, uh, it kind of grows, it grew on me where I began to go with dad to visit when it was a woman involved. So that basically, that was something that I guess he got from his mother because his mother was a praying woman. I said that in week one. My grandmother prayed audibly, aloud at night where I could hear her, everybody in the house heard grandmother because she was praying, and she didn't just pray. She prayed for everybody. So whatever you're around is basically what becomes a part of you. Well, Pat, I just I just want to say uh, say thank you, and and I always um, just want to give a shout out to to the sponsors that people are starting to sponsor the show, and and um, Deborah Webline, uh, thank you, uh, Cynthia Lee Dern, thank you, because I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep doing this because uh, God gave me this vision that uh, that Reverend Price uh, gave of Himself, and and. You know, sometimes we we don't get a chance to acknowledge people uh, uh, like we should when they're alive. But for Reverend Price, it's a blessing that he will continue to live on within us, uh, in, in my girls, and, and and the way we raise our children. Uh, it's just it's just a blessing when you look look around and you see how a, a lot of people now are not really into going to church they used to because of the fact that it's not the type of same type of um, Ministers that we had that was always giving and always willing to to help out, and so we just got to know that uh, as long as we keep God first, He's going to continue to to take care of us. Pat, I, I'm I'm just so excited about the fact that you get a chance to hear people say uh, how Reverend Price made an impact on on our families and in our lives, and and it, to me it means so much because with my mom having having seven boys, I mean, boys and one girl. And for us to have to walk to, to New Mount Zion when it was on Court Road and and to know that uh, we kept going after we got older and started driving cars and moving away, we would still go there because it was it was his love that would, would have me to drive from his key to New Mount Zion. It was his love that when I moved to Raleigh to have me to drive from Raleigh to, to Mount, New Mount Zion. And I just want to thank you um, for sharing uh, your dad with with my family, with my grandfather, with my grandmother, with Aunt Louise and, and Uncle Uncle One, uh, the whole Cole family, the whole every family. And, you know, and, and and I'm speaking on on that because of the fact that it was important because you know you got six, you have six boys and one girl, and, and for for not any of us to get any any trouble uh, with the law. It's because of going to New Mount Zion. It's because of uh, getting an opportunity to to see Reverend Price in action. You heard Harry, my brother, last week talk about the fact that the reason he's a minister now is because he got a chance to 
to look at Reverend Price and the way he lived his life. So, you know, I want to thank all my guests. Pat, you're going to be back with me next week. And, you know, I don't close, I don't get out here without uh, uh, saying to each one of you, you know, post this up on your social media. We got we to gotta let more people know about Reverend Price. Whatever you can do, tell, send this out. They can actually go and listen to the podcast on KREPoetryRadio.com. Let me say it again, KREPoetry.com, Poetry Radio. Sorry, KREPoetryRadio.com. You can go and listen to it, iHeart, uh, Amazon, I mean, uh, uh, Spotify, all of the social media. you got to post it. we got to let more people know about, about Reverend Price and, and the impact he made on so many lives. Because people need to hear about a man named Dr. Ari Price. So that is to give people hope because he gave us our hope. You know, I always close with a prayer. And so let me go ahead and send a prayer. Dear Elder Father, yes. you know what this podcast is about, Lord. Yes, yes, It's not yes. about me. Lord, you don't see me posting my picture up on my podcast. It's not about me, Lord. It's all about you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for all the guests that come on. They understand that it's not about them. Lord, as long as we can keep you first, as long as we can just acknowledge you, Lord, as long as we can take some of the examples that Reverend Price gave to us and we continue to use what he gave to us and we get a chance to share what he gave to us, to our family members and to people we come in contact, Lord, Lord, we can make a difference because this one man has made a difference in so many lives. I know we can make a difference in one or two lives if we just take on some of what he taught us. Lord, bless each one of the people that I've been on today and let them share this podcast so that more people can know about the legacy of Dr. R.E. Price. Yes. This has been Kenneth Everett with the KRE Portrait Radio. I want to thank y'all for listening on it, but I want to thank my guests. But more than anything, thank you, Pat, for giving us an opportunity to share your dad with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Black man. G-I-T-A. God is the answer. Just pray. G-I-T-A. God is the answer. Just pray. God is the only one that can fix it. God can do it. God can fix it. Man needs some help. He needs God's help. We need some help. God is the only one that can fix it. God can do it. God can fix it. God is the answer. Just pray. What are you willing to do? Tell me what was said that was not true. The young and old no longer being sold. The new slave master will never get old. The state takes control. Prison.